Good morning, welcome to Emmett Audio, episode 227. Today I want to talk about taking care of your body as a maker. Um, I think this is something that we ignore until we overdo it and it rears its head. So I want to be proactive about it and talk about it um, and just share the ideas that I have um, and sort of what I see your options as being um, for overdoing it, whether it's spoon carving or some other repetitive task that takes muscles that you haven't necessarily built up to the appropriate strength yet. So let's first start by noting that usually there is no substitute for, sorry, I'm also throwing a ball for the dog. There is no substitute for taking a break or doing less. So you got to know how to pace yourself. Um, you got to build up to doing full days of whatever it is that you're thinking of doing. And you've got to understand that you can't always just push yourself through something to a place of strength on the other side. Strength comes from uh, building up the actual muscle gradually. And if you push yourself through, you're just as likely to hurt yourself as you are to build up that strength without complications. So that aside, here are the different steps that I understand and to the best of my ability to articulate them how to do them so step number one is if you've if you feel like you've overdone it without meaning to um make sure that you're drinking enough water if i like yesterday i came in i had axed 45 blanks when i intended to ax 30 and um <laughs> i mean i knew what i was doing but uh, I hadn't planned for such a long day, but then I decided to go for it. And when I came in, I was exhausted. So I did three things. Um, one is I drank a big glass of water. Um, the second is I took some ibuprofen, something I, I rarely do. And I only do it, um, I try actually to use ibuprofen as uh, a preemptive thing rather than something that I take when I, when something has gone too far. So in this instance, I knew that my muscles were going to get swollen and I wanted to nip it off in the butt because I felt like, I feel like if you can do that and if you're not, you know, doing it every day because you're worried that it's going to happen, but you only do it when you really feel like, oop, I overdid it that time, you end up using far less ibuprofen. Um, because as I say, you're nipping it in the bud. It's much easier for a certain amount of ibuprofen, a given amount to uh, sort of handle swelling before it happens than to ameliorate swelling once it has happened. This is something I learned um, when I worked for a whitewater rafting and zipline tour guide company. Um, and then, uh, and then, uh, and then you ice. So that's the other part that needs to happen to her right away is you ice. And the way to ice is to do five or 10 minutes on, five or 10 minutes off, five or 10 minutes on, five or 10 minutes off. So we have multiple ice packs. Um, so I can be using a fresh one. And uh, it's important to have that on, off, on, off thing. You don't want to just hit your body with straight on. Um, Okay, so that's the sort of immediate 
aftercare. It may or may not make sense to do any stretching at this point. What I would consider sort of the next step, a couple hours later or whatever, or before you start working, is to stretch your body. Now, I think it's easy. We think it's we think mostly of our hands, and while it's certainly true that our hands get the brunt of the work, there are things you can do to make it easier on your hands. So the things that I do that make spoon carving easier on my hands are I make sure my tools are as sharp as I can get them within reason, right? For instance, uh, I should have sharpened my tools yesterday, but I didn't. Um, and I use a spoon mule for roughing out cuts on large spoons which helps reduce the amount of those sort of big heavy cuts that you do at the beginning of carving um, and transfers it to something that I'm using my whole body uh, with a draw knife for. So even if you don't have a spoon mule, if you have a way to clamp your spoon, even if it's uh, something like having a fence post in the ground and a hold fast stuck through the fence post, that can be a good option. Um, you know, you can get creative about it and have it be fairly cheap. You just sort of, what you give up is the, some of the ease. Um, but that's a good way to go about it. And you can make a hold fast from a branch too, like a, like a branch where, where a branch comes off from another branch and you get that kind of dog leg by having the, the sort of joint of the two branches. Check out Mortis and Tenon's feed. Uh, for an example of that, it might, it might have to go way back, but, um, so, uh, sharp tools, shift as much of the work to a draw knife as I can, and, what was the other one? Uh, oh yeah, one of the things that exhausts your hand the most is the open and close cut when you're using a hook knife, and so the more I can switch it to a pivot, and also execute some of that pivot with the hand holding the spoon, the more, more strain I can take off of my hand. So those three things, the way I do the carving, how sharp my knives are, and then whether I'm even using a knife at all. Um, okay, well, uh, ooh, fun. There's a merganser with a bunch of baby mergansers, and then a duck with a bunch of baby ducks. Oh, that's really cute. Come on, Willow, let's go. Um, that's cool. Uh, so, stretching. Let's talk about stretching. So, we think of it our, as being our hands that need the stretching, and to some extent, that's true. Um, do the thing where you pull your thumb back, and you pull your fingers back, and I like to pull my fingers back in pairs, um, because I feel like it really grabs the muscles in my forearm the best, better than if I do them individually. And then, but then there's all these uh, other muscles that are good to stretch. Um, I showed a picture of me doing one where you place your hand like against the door frame and then you lean forward with your arm be back behind you and it stretches out your pectoral and your bicep. That's a really good one. And then there's another one where you put your arm, your ax arm, up over your head so that your elbow is facing straight up and your hand is pointing down your back. You reach up with your other hand and you gently pull that elbow backwards as much as you can. 
and that'll stretch out the back of your arm. I need to do that this morning because I woke up with that being quite sore, tight sore. Um, okay, uh, two other things to talk about. The first is cross training. So uh, cross training can really help uh, you not be sore um, by just simply making sure that all of the other muscles that you're using that you aren't realizing that you're using are not the weak link. So doing some core exercises, doing some walking, making sure your posture is good, all that stuff matters. And the more you let that slide, the more likely it is to come back to bite you. Now posture was something I didn't really talk about, but when you're using your stump, this is why it's so valuable to put your stump up on legs. And when you put your stump up on legs, make sure the legs are long enough. Um, I find a useful height for my stump that allows me to do sort of most spoons standing upright and then scoops I gotta lean forward is have the top of the stump be at the top of my thigh. And the easiest way to trim your stump, once you put on legs, you put on legs that are longer than anticipated, the easiest way to get that right is flip the stump upside down on the ground walk around it with a saw and every place where the leg touches the top of your thigh that's where you saw it off and you get sort of automatic leveling and the right height in one go that way cross training is important and then the last thing is massage um, now I'm lucky to be married to a massage therapist she's no longer practicing but um, she learned that skill but it's not like I get a full body massage every time I ask for it. But what it does mean is that there's an awareness on her part of sort of how to give a good massage. And a good massage is a two-way street. I make sure that I give her massages as well without her having to ask so that I don't feel bad about asking myself. It shouldn't be, if you're in a relationship with someone and you're asking them to massage you, you need to be good about massaging them. And if they don't know what they're doing, you can teach yourself how to give a good massage and in so doing, show them by example how to do it. They're gonna be much more likely to give you a massage and take your feedback if they're getting massages from you that are good. So in a nutshell, here is my totally non-professional trained tips on how to give a good massage. Bet you didn't see this one coming. So the first thing with giving a good massage is to go slower than you think, like half as slow as you think. Because the person getting the massage is gonna be so in their body that if you go what feels like a normal speed to you, it's gonna feel like you're the chipmunks, Alvin and the chipmunks to them. So speed it up. So you need to go ridiculously slow and that's gonna feel amazing. Now, sometimes massaging is rubbing, like if you ask someone to rub your head. Sometimes it's squeezing, like if you ask someone to rub your hands, a lot of it is squeezing of the hands. And sometimes massaging is sliding pressure uh, or pressing. And that's like if you're doing someone's back, you would either have them lie face down and 
lean your whole weight onto your hands on their back in different places. Slowly pick them up and then lean down again in a different spot. Or use your hands or your uh, forearms, the side of your forearm, to slowly slide along their body. Now, here's what feels good in a massage. Sometimes it feels okay to have the actual like big part of a muscle squeezed, um, you know, if your bicep is really hurting, but the part that feels the best is the place where the muscles connect to the bone. Not right at that connection, but just before it, where you're on the muscle, but you're right at the connection to the bone. I don't understand the science of why that feels the best, but it does. And so when you're thinking about giving someone a massage, Think about where are those connection points, which is why, for instance, uh, squeezing someone's shoulder muscles uh, feels good or, or pressing under their shoulder blades feels good. Those are where the muscles connect. Beware of pinching. A lot of times pinching right in the center of the muscle doesn't feel good at all. Um, and instead you want to sort of some movement, some sliding movement is good, and going real slow, and then where it will feel the best to them is when you get to that magical place where it's close to the muscle connection point. Um, now, for your hands, giving a massage to the hands, there is, first of all, there's a certain amount of stretching that you can do that can be part of the massage that is really helpful. There's something relaxing about having someone else stretch your hand for you, but uh, understanding sort of how much to stretch is important, right? They need to be able to read your body. You need to be able to read their body if you're giving a massage. Hands are also where a lot of squeezing comes into play, and generally it's best to squeeze from the hand out to the fingertips, and it just, I mean, I'm sure you could describe it as some sort of energetic thing, but it just feels good to have the squeeze go in that direction rather than start at the fingertips and work your way down. Um, there's a way in which it sort of feels like it's squeezing all the stress out of your body. Um, and what else? I think that's really it. So if you think of uh, massaging as there's no like one perfect amazing technique, it's a combination of squeezing pressing um you know one of the things that feels amazing on someone's face if you have a you know someone you're giving massage you're sort of comfortable enough with them doing this is press have them press if you have a headache have them press not just on your temples that often feels good but also on your sinuses so right under your cheekbones and right next to your nose and sort of very gently around the edge of your eye socket. Um, that can feel absolutely amazing um, if your sinuses are full. So go slow, focus on the connection points. Um, in terms of the amount of pressure to use, it's all about communication. People want different amounts. Uh, You're not necessarily getting better results with more pressure. It just has to do with what it is that you want. 
And then once you've received a massage, you should drink a bunch of water um, because the water helps your body flush out all the stuff that the massage sort of breaks down into your system. Um, so that's it. I mean, I, I think for me, massage is best like the day after. Um, and particularly like if I wake up with a, a numb hand because I overdid it, uh, this is what happened this morning. Celia was able to massage it sleepily and, and, you know, I could achieve the same thing by getting up and moving around and waving my hand around, but, uh, the massage does more than that. So those are the things that can be helpful for you. Oh, and I didn't even mention, uh, soft tissue rolling. Wow. This is a long episode. I hope you guys are interested. So soft tissue rolling is sort of like a massage you can do for yourself without somebody else there. So there are foam rollers. There's big ones that you can put on the ground and like foam roll your core and your legs. That can be nice. But there's also ways of foam rolling of your forearms and your arms in general. Um, not all of which can be achieved with like a tennis ball. Like sometimes you can use a tennis ball to sort of get those pressure points, but sometimes a foam roller does a better job because it is able to, it's not a single pressure point, but sort of a bar of pressure points that are moving across your arm. Um, and again, you want to go slow. You want to pay attention to the amount of pressure that you're applying and you want to drink water afterwards and don't, do any of this massage stuff and i'm not even sure about stretching when your muscles are swollen it's not going to help swollen muscles to be massaged it will exacerbate the problems um so you want to instead wait until uh wait until things your muscles start to cool down and then be doing stretching and then later if your muscles are tight that's when you do the rolling and the massage and drink lots of water. Okay, take care of yourselves.